Welcome to Capital Link's Trending News Podcast Series. In this podcast series, we discuss with company management on recent news and announcements they have made. I'm Nicholas Bornois, President of Capital Link, and we have with us today Mr. Max Pitozako, the CEO of Navigator Holdings. Our discussion today will touch upon the recent announcement by Navigator Holdings of the signature of a non-binding memorandum of understanding with Bumi Armada Berhad, one of the world's largest floating infrastructure operators to establish a joint venture company to provide CO2 shipping and injection solutions in the United Kingdom. A quick reminder uh, of our disclaimer before we delve into the discussion that our podcasts are provided purely for informational and educational purposes. They do not constitute investment advice or advice of any kind. And for uh, further disclosure, Capital Link has the privilege to work with the Navigator on uh, investor relations. So Navigator Holdings, for uh, those who uh, may not know the company well, trades on the NYSE under the ticker symbol NVGS and is the owner and operator of the world's largest fleet of handy-sized liquefied gas carriers and a global leader in the seaborne transportation of uh, petrochemical gases such as ethylene uh, and ethane, liquefied petroleum gas, LPG, and ammonia. Furthermore, uh, Navigator owns a 50% share to a joint venture in an ethylene export marine terminal at Morgan's Point. And with this, I will uh, welcome uh, Matt to our uh, discussion today. Uh, congratulations on the signing of this uh, MOU. As I understand, this is the third JV you're having. You have one 50-50 with uh, enterprise product partners for the Morgan's Point uh, terminal. You have one 60-40 with uh, Greater Bay Gas, and now the one with the uh, Bumi Armada. So, Quoting from the press release that you issued on uh, June 20, this JV aims to provide an end-to-end solution for carbon emitters to capture, transport, sequester, and store their carbon dioxide emissions in line with the UK's industrial decarbonization strategy. So, Max, please describe to us what is included in this JV in terms of assets and functions in the value chain and what is the uh, JV aiming to establish? Yeah, thanks a lot. And thanks for, for those questions. Um, we're very excited about it. So I look forward to, to discussing it with you here. It's, um, is that it says, as, as it says, it's a joint venture with, with Bumi Amada. What we're establishing here is a one-stop shop for emitters that want to dispose of CO2 into permanent storage. And we're starting out offering this uh, service in, in the UK. So this is basically what it's, it's about. So, so Navigator would be transporting the CO2 from the key of the emitters out to the injection vessel. The injection vessel will be uh, owned and, and operated by Bumiamadia, and, and they will then inject it into the, into the seabed. So uh, we do have a joint venture, which is open for, for more partners. Uh, for instance, uh, in the form of a storage company that owns the right to deposit CO2 into the seabed uh, so that we can provide this one-stop shop where the emitter basically has to hand it over to us and, and we'll take care of it from, from there. So we'll be the market originator. So we'll provide this flexible solution to the emitters and tailor the individual projects to each emitter. Uh, so we'll provide a, a virtual CO2 pipeline that is uh, very cost efficient 
because we are mindful here that this is the taxpayers' money, this is uh, the customers' money that, that we are uh, dealing with here, and, and we will want to make sure that the CO2 is, the, is deposited the cheapest and most efficient way possible. But if I understand correctly, the value chain is floating CO2 pipeline. It involves several um, links in the chain and several assets, uh, you know, collecting the CO2, transporting it, and disposing of it. Are, uh, are you providing, are you focusing mainly on the marine transportation end of it, or also on yeah. the collection and the disposal? No, the, the collection, the, the carbon capture will be done by the emitters themselves. Uh, and, and, and then you could say stored, liquefied and, and stored on the key. So we'll take it from there, we'll take it from the, the key and, and to the permanent uh, storage. Uh, that's, that's what we, we specialize in, and, and those are the, the key skills that, that we have in, internally. So your, your function will be on the marine end of it, marine transportation end of it. Absolutely. Perfect. So going now to the potential clients uh, for this JV, you mentioned that it will serve emitters also with no access to pipeline infrastructure to effectively manage their CO2 emissions. So the potential client base, does it include marine, non-marine emitters? What exactly is the, uh, the potential here? Yeah, the, the, at the onset, it will uh, mainly be the UK-based emitters. So they will be uh, land-based. So that would typically be, let's say, a, a very large power plant, but it could also be uh, industrial facilities that emit large quantities of CO2. We're starting out with the power plants because each individual power plant may emit up to more than a million tons of CO2 per year. So we're starting with the, with the largest ones and those that are clustered. Uh, so here, uh, when they have no pipeline access, we would be the ideal partner for them to, to transport and, and, and store their CO2. And there are a number of these clusters around the uh, UK and, and those could, you could say, have, let's say two to three million tons together of, of annual CO2 emissions that, that we can take care of. That would be an efficient size for us to, to set up the, uh, the infrastructure around. So given that, uh, I mean, you mentioned already the size of the market, you mentioned that you will be focusing on uh, the UK, but uh, I understand that uh, this is a global market. So since we're going to be involved on the marine transportation end of it, potentially it opens you up. Uh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, in the in the release, we mentioned that we believe that the market for uh, CO2 emitters that are not linked to pipelines could be maybe 30 million tons per year. So it's very sizable. If we expand that into to Europe overall, the number may be 200 million tons plus per annum. And of course, if we extend that to the rest of the world, we are talking gigatons or, or uh, thousands of millions of tons. So it's very, very large volumes that we are seeing here. And that means that, that globally, we could see hundreds of, of CO2 uh, vessels uh, shuttling uh, CO2 uh, and, and depositing into the seabed. So it is a very, very large market. And, and obviously, we will only be a small part of that overall market. But we think there's definitely sufficient business to a large number of players here. Max, given everybody's focus on, on the environment, on decarbonization, on CO2 capture, and so on, can I assume that uh, this particular initiative is a pioneering initiative and at the very early sta growth stage? Yes, it, it is early stage. I mean, we have spent uh, months now uh, discussing with, 
with, with partners uh, throughout the value chain and with the regulators as well. So I think we've taken this already quite far, but this is an entirely new market. Uh, this is something that no one has really done before. And that means that there are a lot of moving parts that we need to sort out before we can place the, the firm orders, before we can tie up the contracts with the emitters. Um, my, my guess would be that it would take about three years from final investment decision on the side of the emitters uh, before it will be actually operational. And during those three years, a lot of things have to happen. That would be the, the building of the CO2 ships, the uh, building of the uh, injection vessel, the construction of the carbon capture storage uh, infrastructure at the emitter site. This will all work in parallel, but of course, uh, this will only start happening once the contractual setup is in place. And, and it will take a little bit of time before that contractual setup is, is entirely finalized. Uh, so I think that would probably take a, at least a year or so. So, so it's not something that will start, you could say, transporting and, and pumping CO2 into the seabed in a year or two. It, it will take a little bit longer. But, but that being said, uh, a number of governments, including the UK and a number of other European governments, have committed to uh, quite ambitious CO2 uh, reduction targets. And here, carbon capture storage and permanent uh, storage in the seabed is is uh, vital part of that. So we need to get going if we want to uh, help the governments meet their 2030 objectives. Well, you do have the first mover advantage, clearly. And uh, I have to say, you did uh, already answer two of my questions in terms of how long it will take um, for the value chain to commence operations. You said three years. Um, and um, you mentioned about the role that Navigator will play in the operation of the JV. The one question that I had is, how, uh, what is the size of the capital investment and how will it be funded? Yeah, so so you could say if you look at the entire investment, of course, on the emitter side, there'll be the carbon capture uh, equipment here. There'll be the uh, liquefaction of the CO2. There'll be the, the storage part of it. Uh, on our side, it would be the, uh, the building and the construction of the CO2 carriers, and they will be more expensive than the current uh, gas tankers that we are, we are operating today. And then, of course, there will also be on Bumiyanwada's side the construction of the injection vessels. And I think if you take all that capage together, we are talking in, in the hundreds of millions of dollars per cluster. So altogether, of course, this is a very, very sizable capital investment. This is a capital-intensive business. So, uh, so that's also why that the structure and part that we're doing up front here is very, very important that we get that all right before uh, we, we start uh, constructing vessels or, or building equipment for carbon capture. Very, very interesting. So one last question. Uh, can you elaborate, please, how this JV fits into the profile of Navigator as an owner primarily an operator of vessels engaged in the seaborne transportation services for petrochemical gases. And yeah. how does it benefit uh, your shareholders? Yeah, I, I think this is um, the, the core competence and, and the DNA of, of Navigator is to provide safe, reliable and efficient transport of liquefied gases. And this is exactly what we are talking about here. So it plays directly and straight into the key competencies of our organization and, and, and our, our business today. Um, we are looking to be a key enabler of this green transition, the energy transition. It's at the core of Navigator's strategy as it's spelled out and as we will 
uh, elaborate on when we uh, send out our ESG report that will come out uh, in, in this following week. Um, so uh, in, engaging uh, with infrastructure to on the land side as well to, to connect with our uh, marine assets is also something that we have done to to great extent on our Morgan's Point terminal for, for ethylene export. So already here we have uh, some some knowledge and some experience on on linking the land side and, and the marine assets together in in a longer uh, supply chain. So I think all these things play really well together, uh, so that this product project you could say is is squarely at the center of, of our strategy and our competencies. Um, when you look at it from the uh, shareholders' uh, perspective, it's something that will contribute to growing uh, the business of, of Navigator. And with these long-term stable cash flows that, that will come with the contract structure that we are setting up, this is, of course, an additional benefit for, for, for the shareholders. These will be contracts that will be 15-year, uh, 20-year or, or, or longer. So it will be very long-term projects that will be, be set up. And, and this is, of course, a great benefit to, to the shareholders of, of Navigator as well. So, Max, are you going to be building those vessels, which will be quite expensive, as, as you mentioned, on the back of those contracts? Yes, exactly. So, so once those contracts are entered in, so that's when the, the investment decision and, and the ordering of the vessel will, will take place. So, uh, so it has to be, be on the basis of that. And that also means that when we start talking about the, the financing side of it, uh, it will, of course, be something where both uh, capital providers locally, including the banks, would be very interested because most of the emitters are uh, very strong credits, uh, many of them investment grade. Uh, and, and, of course, having them back uh, a long uh, fixed contract is, is something that will be very attractive for a financier. Uh, that means that, that we would be able to, to finance it, I expect, at, at attractive levels uh, further, you could say, uh, bringing benefits to the, to the project. It's very obvious, exactly, that I think uh, the, the, uh, the parties we are going to engage here are quite uh, credible. And uh, based on the long-term contracts, I think that would be create a very financial uh, situation for the banks. Yes. If I can ask you as a last question, um, do you have, let's say, a minimum size of vessels that you were planning to start with, or? No, I think right now we are, we are still flexible. Of course, it has to be something that will uh, be sufficient to substantiate the construction of an injection vessel on for, for Bumiamada and also for the, the, the CO2 carriers that, that we'll be investing in. So, so we are talking about the, the, the million uh, tons plus per annum and, and, and higher than that before it, it becomes economical to, to operate uh, expensive assets like this. But, but I think that's, that's probably not going to be the bottleneck again because of the uh, prospective market size. Uh, and, and then it's just up for us to make sure that, that we uh, engage with the right uh, clusters and, and, and the, um, the emitters here. So, uh, so, so I think that, that that's probably not going to be uh, an issue. Any closing remarks before we finish our uh, discussion? Well, I'd just say that, that, that if you have um, a, a strong belief that this uh, energy transition is, is needed and is, is going to happen, if you think that the transportation of, of CO2 uh, at sea is going to be uh, 
big and, and growing market, um, I, I think Navigator is, 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 a, is a good way to, to, take, to play that bet on, on, on the energy transition, because not only do we uh, plan to, to transport CO2, we also uh, plan to be a large player in the, uh, in the um, transport of ammonia, green and blue, which are also markets that we haven't talked so much about today, but in, in, in other podcasts, uh, very large and also growing markets. I think if you combine those very large uh, growing markets together with our existing uh, business, uh, you'll see that we have uh, quite our hands full in terms of, of growth opportunities and, and very attractive ones indeed. So uh, so that's just what I wanted to, to mention here. So it's it's a good ex existing robust business and some very exciting growth opportunities in the green transition. Well, thank you very much for being with us today and for really providing a lot of clarity on this very exciting new development. Um, so we had with us uh, Mats Pitozako, the CEO of Navigator Holdings. And uh, again, Mats, thank you very, very much for uh, sharing your uh, insight with us. Thank you so much, Nicholas. My pleasure.